seven. Tip FM's Extra Time with Ronan Quirk. Brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Own Dylan Nina, OREA Stokes and Quirk Clan Mel, and OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie. Hello, good evening and welcome to another edition of Extra Time, the 1st of 2024. Happy New Year to all our listeners. This is Ronan Quirk. We're with you until 8 o'clock this evening. Our text number is open to you now. It's 083 311 Later on tonight's show, we'll be announcing the Tip FM Sports Star of the Month for December. A number of great nominations came in over the course of the month of December. Uh, for example, Orlo Dwyer, who won the AFLW Grand Final with the Brisbane Lions, scored the goal in the final. She is one of the nominees. Lauren Fitzpatrick as well, Tipperary lady, plays in goals for Ballymacarby and for Tipperary, but she reached the All-Ireland Senior Football Club Final this year. I'd say it's fair to say Lauren's probably the leading ladies football goalkeeper in the country at this stage. Dylan Slevin from Bursa Kane debuted at the PDC World Darts Championship in December in the Alexander Palace in London was nominated. Sean O'Keefe as well, Clamel Boxer, won her professional boxing debut at the York Hall in London. She was nominated. And Nina Ormond won all three AIL games in December to end the first half of the season with nine wins from nine, including that great and impressive win over Cashel at the end of the month just there before Christmas so those are the nominees we'll announce the winner before we go off air this evening if you've got an opinion on that we'd love to hear it it's 083 311 lots to come on tonight's show but let me start off by saying a very big Tip FM welcome and a Happy New Year to PRO Johnson Cullen how are you Johnson? Good evening, Ronan. How are you? Ronan, how are you? Happy New Year to you and all the listeners. Thanks indeed. Jonathan, um, just when you thought things were settling down, they're about to get busy again because our senior footballers and hurlers will be on the road very, very soon. I think the footballers in coming days. Yeah, the footballers are travelling to Charlie tomorrow evening, Ronan, to take on the mighty Kerry in the first round of the McGrath Cup. So it'll be an interesting trip down, down to the Kingdom uh, for... Um, for the, the players and obviously with their new management led by Paul Kelly it'll be his first time to uh, I suppose lead a temporary team into competitive action and um, he'll be looking for, looking to put the, his foot, best foot forward also I'd imagine that Paul has been leaving a lot of the you know the heavy lifting to S&C work and the S&C guys at this part of the year and perhaps some of the, the football element of, of his role will come later Ah, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, obviously, this time of the year, it's, try- it's trying to get lads back, back into into good shape, get them fit. Get, and obviously, maybe there's players from like, with niggling injuries from the, the club championships that need to be looked at as well. But fairness to Paul, there's, um, I think, something like 48, 49 players uh, at the moment that he's looking at, and they're all going to get their chance to see how good they are. And, you know, it goes without saying some of the commercials lads would have had an extended run in the Munster Championship. Um, you know, that that took them all the way into November, I think. Exactly, you know, and so some of the commercials lads would have probably been given a, a little bit of extra time off, which is only fair to them. Like, you know, they've had a long, long season with with the club and that kind of thing. So some of the, some of them guys are really only coming back into the, into the setup now as we speak. I'm just wondering, I mean... The two managers, both hurling, senior hurling and senior football, will be finalising national league panels throughout the course of January, using the Munster League in hurling and the McGrath Cup in football to finalise those panels with announcements of captains and that sort of thing, presumably later in the month. 
yeah, everything will happen later in the month. month but um, management managers have, have kind of indicated to ourselves that they kind of want to leave it as near as they can to the the commencement of the National League to finalise their panels and um, whatever other bits and pieces in relation to the team that they, they want to uh, announce will all happen around that time. And I'd imagine, you know, it will be, no the second part of January anyway, Ronan. Yeah, away from the playing field, the vice chairmanship election, I understand that the first vote was extremely close. There were some, uh, some issues with that which have been resolved. That'll go to a postal vote in the course of the next few days, yeah? No, Ron, oh. actually, it's not a postal vote, it's an in-person oh, vote. Oh, it's in, in-person, uh, my apologies. Yeah, it, it, yeah no, that's no bother. It's, yeah, it's going to be an in-person vote on uh, the 23rd of January. That's Tuesday, the 23rd of January. So um, all the details, well, some of the details have been kind of um, let out to the club already, but uh, voting then between 6.30 and 7.45, and it'll be followed then by a county board meeting where the, the announcement will be made of who the, who the, uh, the successful candidate is and um, in fairness to Murta, uh, CEO Morta uh, Brennan he has indi- indicated that he, they'll have this, the um, assistance of um, county council um, uh, staff for the vote as well because obviously nobody wants to see a situation to happen like happened the last time. No I think that was a once off yeah. Well yeah well, it needs to be made I suppose as a county board we want to make sure that it was a one off it shouldn't it should have been a it shouldn't have been a one off it should never have really happened but it did happen we can't turn back the clock now we just hold up our hands we say there was mistakes made it was you know it was whatever happened happened we want to learn by those mistakes and make sure that we do things right and put the right processes and procedures in place going forward to make sure because in fairness uh, you know whatever way it puts out clubs and delegates and all that but the two people that are standing for the position I, I wouldn't like to be in their position all, all over Christmas like I mean you know they didn't I'm sure that Michael Tierney and, and Matt McLaughlin didn't really enjoy their Christmas you know and so you know that's not fair to them either so you know we have to learn from this and we have to make sure that never ever anything like mm. this happens again I, I mean it goes without saying it'll, it'll be a close vote which probably gave the two gentlemen involved uh, Michael and Matt plenty of time to canvas over Christmas which I doubt is something that they'd factored into their uh, agendas over the festive period Yeah, no, but I'm sure that I, I don't know is the answer really but I, I imagine either of the candidates probably did much over Christmas and probably maybe tried to recharge the batteries and rejuvenate themselves and, and get refocused again for the next two or three weeks and that's probably the way they're looking at things because, you know, there's only so much Ronan, there's only so much canvas and there's only so much phone call and there's only so much asking you can do like you know and you know and at the end of the day people are people are going to vote whatever way they're going yeah. to vote and I'm sure their minds are met, well met up before now uh, Forgive me if, if this is a ridiculous question but <laughs> the um, the county board convention always attracts a high numbers and good attendance the fact that this is going to be um, an addendum if you like before a county board meeting would you expect the attendance to be as strong as it would be at a convention and my question then really is will all the votes that are eligible to be cast be cast you can't answer that question Ron that's a different that's what I'd like to think I'd be able to answer a lot of your questions but I definitely can't I can't tell the future I suppose and I suppose all I can say is that yeah I, I, I see where you're coming from you know will people travel from wherever yeah if you're coming from Laura or if you're coming from yeah, Ballypurine exactly. or somewhere but, but I, I think that it, if people are serious about the, 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 the county board, which, of course, all clubs are, um, they'll make a big effort to make sure that all their delegates are there to cast their votes to, and, and to, to, you know, to, it's democracy. It's democracy in action. And 
you know, it's 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 the people's, it's the clubs and the delegates' choice to see whoever gets the most votes, obviously, uh, gets elected. And you know, so it's incumbent, I suppose, and on on our clubs and everybody to make sure that they make a big effort to get there. You know, it's and actually, it's probably easier in a sense because the the, the delegates can come in vote and go away again. So there's no big waiting around like maybe a, 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 on the night of a, con, a convention or whatever. Just come in and they cast their votes and then they can head away if they so wish. Yeah, indeed. Well, look, we wish both candidates well and uh, it is going to be a tight affair and we wish Mike, Michael yeah. and Matt the best of luck in that. Um, the yearbook, the uh, county board yearbook, I don't know if I should call it the county board, it's the GA yearbook. I don't really, yeah. it does, it's, 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 it's kind of a separate committee really that runs it from, away from the county board but uh, a lot of work goes into it and um, and I suppose, I don't know whether it's a, a big seller for, uh, it's probably not a money maker for the county board, but it is something that is an important part of people's um, bookshelves over the course of many years. Some people are dedicated to buying it and renewing it every year. It is, I suppose, Ron. It, it, it has been a, a, a kind of a yearly, uh, some people look forward to it, as you say, every Christmas and buying the yearbook. And um, yeah, um, But I, I think... This year's yearbook maybe has let us down a small bit. There's been a number of mistakes, a number of omissions, and clubs, a cl- number of clubs, very disappointed with, with the content of the yearbook. And I suppose it calls into question the feasibility, the practical, practicality, and the necessity of the yearbook. And I suppose maybe the book in its, cor- in, in its current form may well be outdated and in need of a major revamp, both, I suppose, in, in its content and also maybe in the constitution of the committee that's entrusted with compiling the book. And I think a um, number of issues arose since the book was was published and we discussed this ourselves at a county uh, management meeting. And I, I'd imagine that there may, be, may well be changes and, and, and it would definitely be looked at before uh, the end of 2024 to see if, if the book in its current form is, is, is a runner anymore, to be honest. Do you think it's a tired format? I do. I do very much so, Ron. And yeah, I think it's a tired format. I think we need to maybe really revamp it, shake it up. And when you look around it, maybe the, if you look at Limerick, they have the, the thing, it's the green and white, they call it their yearbook. They have a, another fantastic book in Cork and things like that. And it's, it's, a, it's a little bit more, um, for want of a better word, it's a little bit more sexy, I suppose, than our, than our current production. Okay. And, uh, well, I can't wait so. to see next year. So, uh, <laughs> well, I, I, well I, you know what I mean? I, I, my choice of words may, may Ah, know, no, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think I think the point you're trying to make is, is you know something that's twenty, you know, is in line you're with. You're following the same format for twenty years or all yeah. or whatever. You know, things do get a little bit dull, and you know, maybe things are it's time for a little bit of change. But it's it's definitely, as I said, a number of issues have arose yeah. arisen this year since its publication, and it's something that we all we can do is to, and we have done this, is just to apologise to the clubs and to the people concerned in relation to that as well. Can I ask you your reaction when news broke that, J- and I'm asking you on a personal level really, when J.P. McManus's uh, donation to each county board, board of a million euros, 32 million from his own private personal funds, um, was made available. Any donation I'm sure is welcome. But if you contrast, say, how much a club in Leitrim would get per club and a club in Tipperary, and then you go down to Cork, which I think is the most GA clubs of any county in Ireland, um, yes, it's welcome. Does it create any problems for clubs? You see, what the point I'm making is, you know, I, I maybe six thousand euros will go to each club, and that's very welcome. I'm not for a moment being mealy mouthed about that. But for what I hope doesn't happen is that's a drop in the ocean when it comes to running a club in Tipperary or any other county. And I hope that there isn't a bit of pushback when people go out to fundraise because they're going to have to fundraise anyway, and they don't get a bit of pushback, kind of saying, "Well, sure, you've got all that money from JP McManus. What do you want my county board draw a ticket for?" Ah, uh, what I mean. 
I think first of all, I think the the the, the, contra- the, the, the uh, contribution from JP McLean can can't only be welcomed, and and we have to be very very grateful for that. We have to applaud the man for what he has done. I mean, he has put his money back into the grassroots of Ireland, into the into the the association that he loves, and it was his choice. You know what I mean? And he he may he could have spent his money lots of other ways from his from the foundation. He made that choice, and I think we, uh, we can't but be very, very grateful and be very, very thankful to him for that. And I think, you know, most people, well, not most, all people I have, I have spoke to since, since the announcement have had nothing only uh, good words to say about this. And, you know, they're very, very thankful. And I don't think it, should, it will have any impact on any local club at any level uh, when they do, you know, no, when they do go out to, to do some to fundraising that they maybe do have planned during the year or go and sell in their county board. I, I don't think it will have any negative effect because, you know, it's, it's a million euro per, per county, as you said, but it's broken down then between GAA, ladies football and, and camogie. So, you know, you can. It, it doesn't take a genius to work out that. That when you break it down over whatever hundred and odd clubs or whatever is in, in, in between the three organisations in Tipperary, I think it works out somewhere less than I think it's a six thousand eight hundred or something. Oh, like yeah, that. I saw a figure so, of about six thousand per club. Like, but okay, yeah. I'll put it to you another way. First, if you take say a ladies' football club in Tipperary, that is big money for them. But if you take a clubs, you know, like Lockmore Castleini, Clomel Commercials, Killadang and Turles Sarsfields, to keep Turles Sarsfields on the road, six thousand euros, yes, it's very, very welcome, but it doesn't offset the significant fundraising that a club like Sarsfields would have to do every year in order to wash their own face. I understand that, but I think it's still a, a it's still a significant contribution, and and you know there are, there are parameters and guidelines I think set out set out with, with the contribution in which in what way that uh, JP McManus would like the, the money to be to be spent in each club. So you know, I mean, clubs can ring fence that money for certain activities okay. uh, within I, the club. You know, and, I wasn't aware that there were stipulations from JP. Yeah, well, I mean, it's so. guidelines. You know, okay, guidelines. Guidelines. Okay. guidelines here, and he, he has said, I think. You know that he. I would like to see the money being spent on X, Y, and Z. Off the top of my head, I can't. Exactly no, no, it's fine. I'm not putting it on the spot. I wouldn't. I, I suppose that the, where I'm going to with this was: can an argument be made, or could an argument be? It's too late now, but for perhaps the county board ring fencing that money for a specific project that every club in the county would benefit from. Of course, that's another argument, Ronan. This, this definitely is another argument. But demands wishes are demands wishes, and you have to abide by by his wishes. He was good enough to. As they say, put his money where his mouth was, and in fairness to him, he he doesn't do much talking. He's a quiet man. Anytime I've ever met him in Torres, he's a very quiet, nice individual, and and you know a very approachable man. And he just loves the GEA. He obviously loves his own county, which is understandable. But he loves the GEA enough to do what he has done. Uh, and you know you can't but thank him and, and just say fair play to JP. You're, you're you're a mighty man. That's that's what that's that's the word, that's the the words I would have on it anyway, Ron. Yeah, no, no, it's fair. It's it's it, it was an interesting and it was a good news story that broke before Christmas. And I think every county board were were very very cognizant of the contribution that 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 JP has made over the course of his life to the GA and other sports as well. I mean, there's lots of other. Um, I don't know what kind of a horse racing industry we'd have in this country were it not for him and others. Yeah. But anyway, be that as may. Um, listen and enjoy the trip to Tralee over the course of the next I think, things tomorrow and um, the yeah. hurlers are out is it the, on Sunday? Sunday the hurlers are in, in um, out on Sunday in Dungarvan at 2 That's o'clock right. against Waterford yes. Interestingly Dunga- uh, Waterford are playing tonight and there's a certain Killian Bonner 
playing number 15 yeah. for uh, Waterford. Now, he'd be a soft column, yeah. so um, <clears throat> he'll be fit anyway, I'll say that much. No, there's no two ways about it. He looks to be a fit individual, yeah, and anytime I saw him on the television, yeah, he very fit. Ready to go. Listen, Jonathan, happy New Year to you. I'm sure it's going to be a busy one, and I'm sure, and I hope you're busy all the way up to, uh, what is it, the last Sunday in July. Absolutely, Ronan, and thanks very much for your time, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you on the year. No doubt. Take care of yourself. Good luck. Thanks indeed. Bye-bye. That's Jonathan Cullen joining us there, the County Board Pierrot. We're going to take a very, very quick... Um, no, we're not going to take a break at all, actually. Let's go to uh, Matthew Buckley, who's the manager of the Drummond Inch 121A hurling team. They won the county final over Ross Gray while we were off air. How are you? Indeed, Matthew, you're very welcome to Extra Time. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for having me. Firstly, Hearty's congratulations. Um, not an easy championship to win, and I, I, that's not a, a, about the timing of the championship. It's just the quality of the teams you would have had to face to get to the promised land. You, like, even to get out of the mid is an extremely difficult thing to do. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, it, it's 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 been the same for the last couple of years. I've been involved, uh, lucky lucky enough to be involved with this group for the last um, two or three years now. And uh, previously, we've got to mid finals last year and the year and the year before. And uh, we just we we just know you know how difficult it is. The quality there. We we played Holy Cross and and Sporlan and we we scraped through after extra time against Holy Cross and. Uh, you know, got just barely got through over Borland. You know the quality of Torlist, and there's so many quality teams in it now. At, uh, at this stage, it's 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 a really difficult championship. A lot of te- and, yeah, a lot of people would be looking at that Holy Cross drum game because of the fact that Holy Cross have enjoyed some very significant underage success, and they're producing some mighty fine hurlers, no more so than yourselves. But the Holy Cross have perhaps caught the zeitgeist a little bit more so than ye in recent years if you look at their under 17 success or under 19 success yeah absolutely like they're 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 a country team as well so they have to be kind of admired for the success they've had and we knew going into that game that was a huge game for us because we knew holy cross were kind of up and coming and i suppose we weren't ready to be pushed out of the way just just yet uh and we know that if we play them again it's going to be very very difficult with the talent they have coming up and, and the success they're going to have at, at senior level. So, yeah, that, that was a huge game for us. Like, it went to extra time. It was, it was a cracker of a game, not to be honest. And I suppose maybe um, we maybe we had a, a higher age profile than the Holy Cross team, which might have stood to us at this time of the year as well and, and probably got us over the line. And of course, in the county semi, you had to face the Swan and people who are regular listeners to this show will know how much admiration I have for that club for what they can continue to do and the you'd never it's never easy against a team from Carrick Swan Absolutely not no uh, we, we saw them again in the in the South Final and they were we, we, we were so impressed with them uh, against St Mary's they were, they were awesome that day to be fair to them And that was a St Mary's um, team that would have had perhaps more household names and I when I use yeah, that the likes yeah. of the Peter McGarry's the James Morris's of this world uh, more so than Swan but Swan were very deserving winners and one pulling up really yeah, if the game had gone any longer, they'd have just won it by more. They were that good, to be fair, on the day. Um, they, they were really clued in. I, I know they had a break up to that, up to that, and probably just had more focus maybe than the than St Mary's with the, with the football going on. But uh, we we knew when we were playing this one, we, we knew the pace they had, the aggression they had, and physicality, and we knew it was going to be a, a massive massive game. And sure, we, we didn't really help ourselves at the start of it either. We, we played with fourteen for. The majority of the game, and um, look, we, we, the, the the work rate our own lads put in to, to get through that in, in those circumstances was 
that, that was really pleasing from a management point of view, definitely, yeah. And to go on to the final then against Ross Gray, Ross Gray had overcome Clonalty, who themselves had pulled out Pulled, a, pulled the game out of the fire in the West final against Capo White Gales. But it was a real battle, I think it's fair to say, against Ross Gray. And despite the fact you never you were never led, I don't think. You scored a goal early on and from that you were able to hold on. But it was never easy. No, no. Uh, we, we knew that going into that game. I mean, I mean like, we saw the, the, the Ross Gray promoted game was a real physical battle and um, conditions, we say, all week were wet and heavy and windy in, in, in Templeberry and we knew it was going to be an absolute dogfight from start to finish and the quality of the players Ross Gray have as well it was never going to be um, you know an, an easy game and, and we knew we needed a huge performance from our own that our, the quality we showed maybe at times wasn't always there but, but the effort was and, and that was the key thing and especially in the second half when, when we had maybe so many wides and things like that we, we still kind of just got we we just stayed in the game. We stayed there and and kind of fought it out, which is a really pleasing thing to pleasing way to win a game. Really, to be honest, yeah. I have to uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I wasn't at a game. It was on a Saturday, but it correct me if I'm wrong. It was um, you played in with the wind in the first half. So Ross Gray would have perhaps been happier the two at half time. They were only two points down, but you came out at half time. I think got two big scores just after half time. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, we, we we started the second half really well. Um, it would, to, be, to be fair, it was probably easier to play um, against the wind than it was with it because we were almost getting uh, too stuck down the field in the first half and, and the wind wasn't exactly a help either. It was kind of a, a swirling breeze that was kind of going into the corner. So it, it actually helped us in the second half that we, we knew we had to carry ball better and uh, as opposed to hitting it and, and as opposed to, you know, getting sucked up the field, we, we, we worked our way from from the back forward and... Uh, that's that's where we got our joy, I thought, definitely in the second half. And um, yeah, Roscoe were always going to come strong near the finish. That was never in doubt. Like there was never going to be more than a score or two in it. And I think uh, and did Conor Donovan score? Conor Donovan score a, 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 a super goal for Roscoe that got it back to another point. But then the game turned again. You going down the other end and you get a goal. Your third. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Like their goal, just it was it was. Um, I I had turned away. I I was just waiting for the white flag to go up, presuming it was going over the bar. But I just saw the video of it after. It was like that's who thunderbolt to the top corner. Like it was an unbelievable finish. And but just the way like that, the way our lads responded, just immediately, like you know what I mean, to go straight up the field and get a goal ourselves, just to take any momentum away from them, um, because. There's no question about it. Like, there was, I think there was still maybe ten or twelve minutes to play at that stage, and and there was a was it a point in it or something, and uh, momentum would have been behind Ross Gray had we not responded straight away, and thankfully we did that, I suppose, and that was a pleasing thing, like you know that we, we were able to do that. Yeah, if, uh, you must be pleased that, but the wides, you must have feared that that might come back to haunt you. I don't know how many wides you had, but they were they were totting up. Yeah, sixteen. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, you know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an awful lot more than what you'd like, and and to be fair, it's it's our worst performance shooting this year. But like that, the conditions were just were were definitely the worst conditions we played in this year. We we'll say with the wind, it, it really did make it difficult. Now I have to say, temporary pitch was was in pristine condition considering the the amount of rain that was after falling that that week and that night. But it, it was very difficult. I, I don't want to make excuses for our lads. We should have done better too, but. You would be worried then when you miss that amount of chances that oh God is it going to be one of those days. But 
thankfully it wasn't successful. Yeah. yeah. Many congratulations to you all and all in drum. I mean, you've, you've, the champions get a lot of headlines, and I think John had, um, you know, he had a, he got on a lot of ball, but perhaps they left him a bit free during the course of the game. Yeah. Well. To be fair to John, he, he just has an engine there. He'll stay going forever. Um, I, he, he was he was midfield, and then he was kind of he was tracking back, he was tracking forward, and he, he was he was very hard to mark, I suppose, um, for, from a Australia point of view. And he's been like that nearly in every game we played this year. So he's um, yeah, he's he's a huge leader for us. But thank, thankfully, we're not in a position. We just we only have the one. We have we have him all over the field. So it takes a bit of pressure off of him then, and he can go play his game. And yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, I know. And even the puck outs this time of the year, you know, Mike Fitzpatrick, you know, um, this time of the year, it can be very important. Oh, it should be huge. Like, I mean, we have we have several lads there now where we're able to win. win um, and, and that's what you have, you have to win dirty ball this time of the year. It's, it's not summer hurling. It's not hitting the ball in front of the lad 20 yards to run onto or anything like that. It's just real kind of dogged stuff. And we have lads who can go to the well and do those things for us. Like, so... Uh, yeah, we were we were never in um, uh, we were never worried in that mm, in that sense. Okay. We knew we always had lads that would stand up. Yeah. Can I just? Uh, it's a perennial question about the the timing of the under twenty one championship. I mean, you're delighted to win it, and I'm sure, you know, over Christmas when you're trying to tell lads about how important it is to be ready for a county final, those lads were mm. happy to be in a county final. It is a, a question about where to put this in the calendar because it's such a good championship. The matches are so good. I fear that it's not getting the the window that it deserves because of the quality that is available for people to see. It's a time of the year when it's cold, it's wet and mm-hmm. you know, I, you can be promised a really good quality hurling match but you can look out the window and say well there's not going to be a great fair in feather today and you might stay in rather than go out and see what quality there is in that championship. I'm a big fan of it but I just don't know where to put it. That, that's, that's the thing I suppose. It's a difficult one because with the split season, I suppose you you can't exactly play any time before J- July either. Like so, and then your senior starts up, and sure half your team is involved in in senior. So it it is very difficult. Um, I I would think that possibly it could get just a little bit earlier if if it got, it should it probably should be played off before um December, uh, really and truly. Like even if you could even just get it into October, November, and kind of maybe play the football afterwards when you can play it under lights as such because. Playing hurling under lights or an astroturf isn't—it's not for the game. No, no, I, I, really like, I, you know. I, I fully, fully agree with that. But the, the corollary is this year—you know—you might see commercials go far in the Munster Championship, get to a Munster Club semi-final, uh, which means that they're the Marys under twenty-one team is not going to be taking the field while commercials are doing that. Like, yeah, yeah, I know it's it's extremely difficult. Um, <laughs> we're not going to worry too much about it, I suppose. No, you know, and do you know what? One thing's for certain, Matthew. Me and you ain't going to fix it tonight. That's another. Oh point. no, that's 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 for sure. But but it was, it was a bit of a it was a pity in a way because we we actually did have a couple of players who had holidays booked around Christmas time. Lads were we had three lads supposed to go away last week for for a few nights. We had our coach David Collins, who's been with us all year, has been excellent, and he had a, a trip to Australia booked and ended up missing a county semi final, county final all when these things were, were due to be played beforehand and then just runs on and runs on and runs on. Like So it is disappointing that way. But um, look, I, I, I would hope that it will remain as such because, it, it's a, like you said, it's a fantastic championship. Like And, and the quality of the games are just... Are, are, they are top class. Like They're, they're, they're there next to, to the level of senior games. So 
And it's really important that there is that bridge for for fellas. You don't the under twenty one championship is really important because there's a lot of your fellas who need that development year or two at under twenty one in order to step up and make the inevitable step to to senior. Some fellas can do it quicker than others, but for a lot of fellas, you know, the the club hurler as opposed to the potential inter county hurler, that that bridging of the under twenty one I think is so important. Definitely is, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And even this year, we had two two seventeen-year-olds there who can't play. Obviously, who are ineligible for senior hurling. We'll say we uh, Conor Cal, Conor Fitzpatrick, who, who both started the county final there, and we had several lads who were, who came on first during the year. Like that was their first time playing with you know kind of senior hurlers there. Mike Fitzpatrick, John Campion, like you mentioned, that's a huge boost to them. That they they know they can win championships with them, and then going forward into next year. You know, there's no fear of going down to the hurling field and 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 making a mark themselves like at that level. So, yeah, it, it's vital in that grade. I I think I I it would be a huge shame if if it ever um, stopped. I think, but um, and I don't. I yeah. hate to see it tinkered with and brought back to under twenty or something like that. Uh, you know, to, to mimic the uh, intercounty scene. Just leave it as is because there's very yeah, few things I'll, I'll, absolutely perfect in our structures, but. Th- the under twenty one championship is 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 pretty close. If you can just change the weather in the country or something, I don't know. Yeah, it would be great. It would yeah. Be great. yeah, the Jimmy yeah, Doyle yeah. Cup. I think it's important to remember the great Jimmy Doyle, after whom the cup is named, um, is resting in Drum and Inch for the next twelve months. Many congratulations to you, your team, and your backroom team, Matthew. Uh, it's a great story. So many congratulations. Thanks, Ron. And Thank happy you. New Year to all in Drum. Yeah, many every Take Thanks care. Long. Thanks indeed. Matthew Buckley, manager of the Drum under 21A County Champions. They defeated Ross Gray in the scoreline of Drum and Inch 312. Ross Gray won 14. Silver Mines, congratulations to them. They're the B champions winning the Brophy Cup, uh, defeating Gurton Hoog, Glen Gould. We did look to speak to somebody from Silver Mines on that tonight. Just could not get anyone at this time of the year. So if you are listening in Silver Mines, my apologies, but we did make several attempts to try and get somebody to come on this evening. But again, just the time of the year couldn't get our hands on anyone. Tom McGrath is on the line. How are you, Tom? Great, Ronan. Happy New Year to you and all in Lockmore. Hope you're all well. Hey, we're grand, yes. We're like still getting out the boat and that's not all matched to both. And isn't it great? Like. I know you're a fan of it and you love hurling on 12 months of the year and the Under-21 Championship bridges us into over Christmas before the uh, inter-county scene gets underway, which is only days away now. Sure, I was only thinking there as I was waiting to come on like that, uh, you know, They've been guys trying to get rid of the twenty under twenty one championship for the last forty years, like, and they failed. And you know, there's always some guy to come up, uh, new fellas come up with the idea. There's, there's got to be a better way, but it's not. It's a terrific championship, and I mean, you know, Woman Templary on, on Saturday, you'd know it meant to lads, like, and even you know, going back further, I have a soft spot for it. The first county medal I won was an under twenty one medal, and the final wasn't set the first Sunday in March the following year, but it didn't matter. It's a 1974 medal, so we'll take it. Yes, indeed, and it's, I'm sure you'll it's pride to praise somewhere in a, in a house full of medals. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think, you know, for, and he's, he would be relatively young, Matthew Buckley um, made terrific points there about the confidence that breeds into fellas, like getting, you know, fellas that, young fellas coming up to the ranks, their first touch with adults, adult competition, we'll call it, or playing with adults, and, you know, they find then that we're able to cope, and it's not this great mystery that it's all about. Like, so they have no, they have no qualms about going on the following year. Then, and it's a good great, stepping stone in terms of physicality as well. You know, if as he mentioned there, you oh, take an yeah. under seventeen f- who can't play senior. Obviously, no matter how good he is, he can't play senior. But he can play under twenty one. That's only right, I think. Oh, I, I, I'm not disputing that. But yeah. it, it, it's the stepping stone that shows him. Well, you know, if I'm able to compete at under twenty one, 
I might be a couple of years younger than these fellas, but physically I'm not intimidated by it. No, absolutely. You put this conference, and those fellas, and they all have a they all have a role to play in it, and they see themselves then that you know I'm not just getting a jersey. I can do something here in this. I'm expected to do something, and you know, you young fellas nowadays, you give them a challenge, like, and they'll they'll respond to that challenge. You know, and just just. No, no, I, I thought, and you know, trusting all the one side either. I mean, Ross Gray, Ross Gray has plenty of good performers as well. Yeah. Like, and, you know, like that. Okay, drum be kicking themselves to say if they if they hadn't seen it out. Like, but when Ross Gray got the got got the goal, small bit fortuitous, but seriously well taken. I mean, forty five yards out, missed missed rising the free, and so that would say, oh, we're done for the next thing. Bang, first time off the ground. You know, John Fenton did it so many years ago with a dry ball inside in Turles and they're still showing the goal, but Conor Dunlans mightn't be shown. <laughs> well, they might show it, but it was, it was an absolute rocket. But Trump responded, we had, we had three goals in about three minutes. Yeah, so great that, excitement. That was, that was the period that it looked as if the goal that, that Ross Gray got fortuitous and all, maybe he's a taunt, but very well taken. That was the one that was going to be the turning point and would see them see them through, but it didn't work out that way for him. John got the, John got the goals at the other end and, and Ross Gray missed a couple of threes and look, I think better team won and that's the way the team works out. Like. You know, we're about to get into the McGrath Cup and the um, Munster uh, Hurling League and I'm just wondering the, the, the value that of these games when you consider how long and conde- how long the intercounty season is it's it's not as long as it used to be but it's condensed and so there's an awful <laughs> lot of games there's an awful lot of games are these more valuable than say challenge matches up in Dr Morris Park I I think so but but like you wonder you you wonder what do any what purpose do any of them solve I mean you kind of wonder I think that I think the national league now it will be a little bit different this year because because the the way they've they're revising the revising the league groupings for next year, so there's a like a, a different sorry, a different system. There'll be I think that you could be going division one, two, three, four, and five in in, in hurling rather than division one A and one B and all that type of stuff. So I think it's important that they're from the counties, the top counties, to finish the top in the top three in the group. I think would be the way. I think there's I think it's only six. There's six or five teams in the group next year, but it's 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 different anyway. So the league was only challenge matches. I thought the Munster League was the Munster leagues were going were there as a purpose to try and trim down the panel. Lads would have fellas in for trial matches. What they were what they were made of. Then your league was again trialing a bit of trialing, but then the championship was starting. So there's got to be a better way around them because the way the league has been structured here for the last couple of years sure throws shadow boxing for the Munster Championship really Absolutely, all the Munster teams seem to, be, seem to be in the one group like and this, this, there has to be a better way maybe but way with the league have the Munster Championship have the Munster Championship run as the league and then have the have the All-Ireland series maybe two different two groups of and an open draw system or a seeding system the previous year. Well, it works in Camogie. There's a need to do something like Yeah, because yeah, the Munster Championship in Camogie is a completely separate thing. The only thing is, and you've made this point very recently on the show, if you know, if you take away links between, say, the mid-football championship and the county football championship, yeah. then you end up with a with a reduced quality um, mid-final. Although it went to extra time and it was exciting, the game... Oh, we won't even... Won't even go there. Right? Okay, because but like, was the South final? You wouldn't have time. You wouldn't have time for me to. But like, <laughs> but the, the, your point also being the South Senior Football Final. Correct me for I don't remember that have been played this year. Maybe it has. And I missed it, but no, I, it hasn't. It has been no. played. Yeah. So there you go. Um. So if you don't have an umbilical between yeah. the Munster Championship and the 
the, the All-Ireland series, you know, you just worry about, you know, tampering with something that's, you know. Anyway, look, the other reason I'm bringing this up is because well, if you remember... Well, just on a, just yeah. a, a short brief one. I think that the, the, there is a school thought out there at the moment is that there's an imbalance between Munster and Leinster. And that that's, that's the kind of the problem that an awful lot of the, the, more, the majority of the top guns are in are allegedly in Munster. And, you know, like that's the way the thing is, I suppose, at this stage. That, I mean, Munster is much more even, I say, I would say. I, I would, and, yeah, I, and yeah. I think it's fair to say that, barring an act of God, uh, Kilkenny and Galway are going to get out of Leinster. While yeah. there was a, an argument you made last year that Limerick could have found themselves in trouble in Munster if they didn't pull their act together. So there, you could see a set of circumstances where the All-Ireland champions could exit the championship because they can't get out of Munster. Yeah, like and, and that's and the opinion is that that's where that's where Limerick are to be caught. If Limerick are to be caught, it's to be caught in Munster. Now it's very hard to see it's very hard to see Limerick not making the top three in Munster, but stranger things have happened. Yeah, like there'll, have. Be, there'll be pressure. But but there's not the same cutthroat cutthroatedness in Leinster, I think. That's the that's the problem. Yeah, the Munster counties will say, Well, we have to be at the top of our game because it's imperative to go forward that you have to be in the top three and what you have to do to be in the top three then is what causes the problem. Yeah, I, I know. I, I don't, again, repeat what I said to Matthew Buckley earlier. You and I aren't going to solve it tonight, but it does require, I think, a white sheet of paper and a bit of new thinking to be brought to it because um, just the structure of the Munster Championship, I, which wasn't really what I was going to talk about tonight. What I was going to talk about was, if you remember a few years ago, we lost our opening Munster Hurling League match to Kerry and people kind of were indifferent, shrugged their shoulders. But then when the year finished, people, somewhat unfairly, I felt, started going, well, if you look back to the start of the year, we lost Kerry in the Munster League. Maybe that was a portent for how our season was going to go. And I just found that a little bit unfortunate that it became a stick with which to hit the management team with. Yeah, well, I think I think uh, we had the discussion a couple of nights after, and my point was, uh, I don't think the result... The result at this moment, doesn't matter unless other results feed into it later on the year. And sadly, that's what happened. Like, and then it became the issue, all right. Like, but anyway, like, look, <laughs> Kerry shouldn't be beaten to bury in the Munster League or whatever. Like, but look, circumstances happened, and you had injuries which fed into it, and it steamrolled it from there on. Like, so, like, look, they're they're going, they're going back starting again this year now. Like, so, like, it's blank sheet of paper and. There's plenty of lads there, and sure, who's going to put their hands up? And it's the fight and the dog. Or that's that's going to be important too. I was talking to a fellow at the match in Templeary the other day, and he says you need a dog in every line. And you know that's the way the thing has gone. Fellas, irrespective of conditions, fellas to win the dirty ball, give it on to the next fellow and get somebody else to do do something with it. Like that's get the ball to your best man for the for whatever situation is there in front of you, like really. Yeah. And I suppose if you looked back to the under-21 and under-20 All-Ireland winning teams that Liam and Mikey Beavens were over, they're now all, what, 26, 27 now? Yeah, and, you know, we'll be putting Mike Neven, someone might be even that, like, you know, but sure, like at the stage where there should be, there should be mature. Pulling up trees, and, yeah. Yeah, really, you know, pushing pushing for places that like but then so it depends on forum that lads bring into it from one year to another and then sort of injuries with different fellas as well. I mean we club men of our own, Kieran Connolly was one of the big one, one of the big guys in that and if it's given win and then injury and injury has taken nearly two seasons out of him like so 
they're, they're they're the things as well that it doesn't always it doesn't that your on twenty team of one year doesn't become your senior team of four or five years down the road because fellas just they go off the bile, go off the radar, and they said bloody injuries then they're they're the killer out here. Like and actually look at look at John Marr, like John Marr, your own club man as yeah, well, you know, yeah, what a yeah, fabulous yeah, athlete yeah. he probably still is, but he robbed of so much of his intercounty career because of injury. Just yeah, and just a recurring the same the same injury all the time. Like but that's the sad that's the thing I find sad about players in in, in, in the current thing that like in back in back in the day, uh like you know, a lad had a knock and he was kind of yeah, it had to be a bad one for him not to be able to play the following Sunday. But now it's three weeks, a month, two months, three months, six months, season end injury, all this type of stuff. You just wonder where the thing is where the thing is, but that's a that's a question for another day. But all the they're all the things though that feed into the problems that team that management teams have, like the players at their disposal and just you know, you think you have lads and then suddenly they're gone and they're not just back in a week, they're gone for the season back in that's that's difficult for everybody. Key management number one, but of course the players as well. That impacts them as well, and how that translates into another year. We we'll take John McGrath as a supreme example. Mm. Innocuous type of you no, know, not downplaying the, the injury in Achilles is not a nice thing, but it's, it does take him a while to shake it off. Like and you know that, yeah. Like hopefully, hopefully he'll be one that will be that will that, that will be able to do something this year like on a pair of what he was doing in 2019, 2020 like. Yeah absolutely no doubt about it and I think we'd all welcome that more so than anyone else. But and look, just one, and one yeah. player on and then can make can make the difference like just fill in a key position like and Well look John got goals that's one thing you'd always and yeah, John yeah. always whenever he got the ball the first thing it came into his mind not speaking for him but he always looked to see was there a goal on and if there was even a glimmer of a chance he'd, he'd, he'd utilise it and uh, every team would love to have to have that well, sort of a goal. The lads were, that's the way them lads them lads were trained. Like and he he was able to see it and more importantly he was probably able to execute it too. Like yeah, indeed. But the aforementioned the Kerry thing, we just, just one final reference to that. Like I mean, a huge victim of that day was Willie Connors. Yes, that you is know, true. Hasn't, yeah. He hasn't hasn't really got back. And I mean, it was one thing after another. I mean, he was he only kind of came in towards the tail end of the season for Kildare and then sure. Look, they wouldn't have won it without him. Like that's the that's the reality. The club, the club were fortunate, but how often are the clubs not so fortunate as a player comes in that they're they're swiped this player for so long? Like yeah. that. So hopefully they'll they'll be nice. We're just picking picking a few names here and there. We don't know who's who's in or who's out. No, we'll see, yeah. and there'll be a couple of young fellas from Kildare and maybe who may be knocking on the door as well. Listen, I've got to go, Tom. I could stay chatting to yeah. you till eight o'clock, but I've other people to have to talk to. I'm told. Yeah, so of course, that's, that's, there's more to sport. There's more, there's more people in the sport than the GA, like. There is. There is. It's hard to convince <laughs> people of that sometimes, but there, that is a fact. I'll talk to you soon and Super. see yeah. you soon. Okay, so all Thanks, indeed, Tom. Good luck. Take Thanks. Bye-bye. 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 Back in a sec. Extra time on Tip FM. Brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Owen Dylan Nina. OREA Stokes and Quirk Clon Mel. And OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie. The Tip FM Sports Star of the Month with the Talbot Hotel Clonmel. Multi-award winning wedding specialists with state-of-the-art leisure facilities and spa with food served daily. The Tip FM Sports Star of the Month. Get your nominations in now. Well, uh, the panel of experts in Tip FM Towers have met over the course of the last few hours and Orla O'Dwyer has been 
elected, nominated, voted for as the Tip FM Sports Star of the Month for December. Winning on the uh, Brisbane team that won the AFLW uh, back-to-back titles for Orla um, has really established herself as one of the, the main stars of that game down there. Scored a goal in the final as well, so delighted that um, I don't know if, she, if I should introduce her as Rose Green or Boher Lahan. She, she plays her club at Boher Lahan, uh, but I think she's a Rose Green native. Uh, Orla Dwyer is the Tip FM Sports Star of the Month for December in association with the Talbot Hotel in Clamell and John Quirk Jewellers in Care. If you have a nomination for the month of January, I know it's only 48 hours into the month so far, but if you have a nomination as the month goes on, it's sportsstar at tipfm.com. Sportsstar at tipfm.com. Let's have a word to Barry Ryan who's on the line. Hi, Barry. Hi, Ronan. A quick thing. Not a lot of games have taken, in fact, no games have taken place since last we spoke, when we spoke about Peak Villa and Villa United in the Munster Champions Cup. But I, there's a couple of things I just want to touch on with you, if you don't mind, and that's to maybe look at the tables. No surprise to listeners to see that St. Michael's and Peak Villa are top of the Premier League. They've identical records, played eight, won seven, drawn one. I think that draw was against each other. Would it be fair to say that Care Park are the surprise package this year? They fly in third with only two losses from their seven games. Yeah, yes and no, I suppose. Uh, from their point of view, yeah, it, it's a huge success um, to be the t- team that's coming after St. Michael's and Peak Villa. Um, I suppose during the summer, there was a lot of movement. And we talked about Christopher Higgins going in there, John O'Brien following suit, um, and, uh, you know, another couple of shrewd signings as well. Um, and I suppose, it, you know, too much... John O'Brien, of, um, John O'Brien formerly Michael's and Clementown. Yeah. He's gone yeah, to Cape so Park, John I didn't O'Brien, know that, yeah. Yeah, so John O'Brien is there as well. Um, Johnny Kendi is there as well, like St. Michael's as well. There's a lot of experience there. Aaron Wall is back in the goals. Um, so a lot of guys who've won FBI Junior Cups who have been around. So I suppose they probably, tar- like Bernard um, Fitzpatrick, or, or sorry, Bernard Fitzgerald, Lyle Daly from Banchain as well. Um, so a lot of experience, a lot of guys who've been around, um, good characters, you know, good age and stuff like that for junior football. And I suppose they probably would have felt that there was a, you know, a, a chance to go and be the ones that challenged them if Camel Town dropped off. And I suppose that was something we all feared probably was going to happen with Camel Town. So, but not to take away from the fact it's still a huge success for Care to be where they are. Yeah, Clamell Celtic, uh, they've only played five league matches. They've won three of them. Is there something in them in the second half of the season? I think more so in the Cups. I think in the league games, you'll see a little bit of, um, you know, when they're at home and they have a, everybody available, they'll pick up results. When they're on the road, might only travel with 13, 14 players. It's been that type of way with Celtic for a few seasons, but I think they'll really, really go for the Cups. Um, I think they'll have everyone available. And sometimes it's a case of a lot of those players have other commitments are playing GA and bits and pieces. And look, from my experience of it, managing teams in CSGL, the, the GA seems to be 12 months of the year. Um, in terms of they will get back into training with commercials and that in the coming weeks as well. And the football will, of course, take over now as well. So uh, there's no real break in that. And, that, and you have to juggle players. Clamell is very much Gaelic football-based as well. You look at the bottom, Wilderness Rovers look in real trouble and it's going to take some Lazarus-type resurrection for them to come back. So then the question arises, who might possibly go down with Wilderness? Um, Banshe Celtic, Tumal Boris have only won once so far this season, while Clamell... So, sorry, Tiberi Town have only won twice. Yeah, look, I think Tumal Burris will be fine. They have the quality there um, and their home record. I think they'll pick up wins um, and I think they'll be okay. They'll move well away from that. They'll still be harbouring hopes of try pushing maybe up towards the top four again. Uh, Clamour Town will be absolutely fine now. They have the points on the board. Uh, Tipperary Town are the ones I'd fear for. Okay, interesting. Let's look into Division 1. Cashel Town, 100% record. Uh, and V Rovers... 
came down this year, I wondered how they'd go because they were a Premier League team for the last number of years. They've won six of their ten matches and are certainly in the shake-up for promotion. Yeah, well, it was a funny thing happened to the table there for all the teams. Clamwell Town B um, were removed from the league. So two of those six wins are six points being given to all the clubs. Uh, why um, were Clamwell Town B removed? I would say it's just a case of they don't have they don't have the numbers at the moment to facilitate. They're not fielding. fielding. Yeah, they just they're not in a position. They don't. I think the B players are probably needed to get the A team through the rest of the season and kind of look at it in the summer. Then if they'll go back with two teams or whatever, but um, the numbers didn't seem to be there to get through it with two sides, which in itself is, I suppose, you know, just more um, of a disappointment of how things have kind of panned out there. But I think a sensible decision because you know rather than have both teams struggling with numbers, if that was the way the case was going to be, just get the Premier Division team through the season and regroup. Um, and look, in fairness, Clamwell Town they're one of the few teams that always has youth teams. A lot of the teams, like, you know, haven't had, say, Michaels for a few seasons didn't have a youth team. Um, Peak Villa currently don't have a youth team. So I think, you know, one thing about Clamwell Town, yes, look, the B team is gone, but they've always had youth teams, so there'll be no problem going back to a B team again. And look, there's years where Clamwell Town could have had three teams in terms yeah, of numbers. numbers. So I just think it is one of those things at the moment. Uh, yeah, but it, it strikes me though somewhat sad because of a, of a club the size of town and the, the, the size of the population the catchment area that they have you would have thought that they would have had sufficient numbers to feel too but look maybe it's just a blip for this year and you'll just uh, hopefully move on for, to it for next year dipping into uh, Division 2 Powerstown is a club that we've focused a couple of times on this show because of the fact that they um, had such a good run in that shield uh, they will be looking to try and consolidate that league form now and try and get further up the table they've only played six league matches yeah, that's the one thing about being involved in the Cups. Um, you end up having a backlog of league games. But that's something that can often be in your favour because you end up playing teams at the end of the season who have nothing to play for when you're trying to catch up in league games. So we used to always feel if you could get a good run in the Cups, you'd pick up a lot of league points later in the season when teams are maybe waiting three, four weeks to play and you're playing every single week. So I think Paris down now, will, they, that was a real morale booster and I think they'd really look to drive on now. And their main target all season would have been in the league. Uh, Tipperary Cup takes centre stage next weekend uh, we'll have a lot to talk about next week because of the fact that you know, virtually all the games are on and everyone's getting a shot at this Clamwell Town against Old Bridge 12 o'clock uh, in, in the complex there's one to whet the appetite if, yeah, you, if, you, if you didn't bring it up I was going to bring it up <laughs> I, think that's, I, I think that's the one um, Old Bridge had a huge huge win over Clamwell Town um, that kind of shocked everybody um, and I think Clamwell Town are going to target this one. They've had a really, really difficult season. But I'm going to put my neck... Well, it's not put my neck and blind tip in the Premier Division team to win. But I think Clamwell Town will come out. Yeah, home, yeah. <laughs> yeah you really yeah, are going all out here. All that. in. I call that, putting my neck on the line there. But with the way, I, I just think Clamwell Town will, will really be up for that game. I just think, you never know, with the bridge, they, not, they will love nothing more. They will love nothing more. Oh, Dangerous, dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Listen, it's good to talk to you in 2024 and throughout 2024. Uh, Barry, happy new year to you all, and I'll talk to you next year. Take care of yourself. Thanks indeed. Barry Ryan casting his eye over the league tables in the TSDL. Before we go off air, next few minutes, let's have a word with David Burns on the line. How are you, David? Uh, Good evening, Ron, and happy new year to you. And many happy returns, and I hope it's a successful one for you on all fronts, David. But let's start talking about, you know, where we can find some success. What did you learn over the bumper Christmas racing national hunt festivals that we saw that might inform us as we head towards March and the Cotswolds? Well, we learned many things. We learned that racing is an extraordinary game. It's something I suppose we didn't meet to be told. We knew. And when we watched uh, the King George on St. Stephen's Day, yeah. it was an extraordinary performance by 
Buick and the story behind it, like an eight hundred pound purchase, and I think he's over nearly close to eight hundred thousand in prize money won for the Shark Handling. Is this a real Shark Handling horse that you pick up a rough? piece of coal and you polish it up and turn it into a diamond. I know I've used an awful lot of metaphors there, but if ever there was a shark handling horse, is this a shark handling horse? Yeah, this is a shark handling story. This is what he's done and he's done it over the years so successfully and uh, his performance with Hewick and his uh, belief in Hewick is more important. You know, He, he didn't go across to Kempton on St. Stephen's Day without believing that uh, Hewick could uh, do and run into a place in the uh, Interestingly, of course, is you know since that Huey performance, it's kind of the, the the rumblings are that you know yeah we went over and we hoped to fit it and running some of the prize money. They went and won it, so you know they can dream ahead to March now for the Gold Cup. But I suppose that was all good for the first couple of days until we saw Willie Mullins just galloping the champ, uh, bounce back to form, and it was just an absolutely mind blowing performance uh, by Willie Mullins' charge, and uh, he's at the top of the betting now for the Gold Cup and. You know, that's not surprising. He was just outstanding in the way he, he galloped to the line and uh, he's back to his very best. And, uh, you know, we didn't, we were supposed to, in the King George itself, we were, the clues that we had were, you know, it was Alaho taught for a while he was going to win. Then we had Shishkin, who probably would have won if he stayed up, but look, we're never going to know that. And Brave Man's game, look, I think his limits and his, his ability, he's always going to be there, but he's never going to, I think, be good enough to win at the top level, but Gallup and the Champ was just outstanding at that time. Was Alaho a little bit undercooked coming in? Because he had won the Clamaloyle chase, but that was at a fairly pedestrian pace relative to what he would have faced in Kempton. Yeah, I don't know, Ronan. I'm not 100% sure. I think, look, um, you know, he won nicely in Clamel, and you're right, it was a different pace, different race. I think he gave it his all. I think he ran as good as what he he can do. Is there more left in the tank? I'm not sure. Look, when you look, as I said, at the performance of uh, Gallup and the Champ and the way he won at Leopardstown, like that just blew everything away. Like there was 17, 18 lengths of a, a winning margin. Quite extraordinary, you know, against good horses. And, uh, you know, it's going to be very hard to see if uh, Willie and the team can keep the fellow right for March. He, he looks to be the one for the Gold Cup at least. Bob Olliger is, was uh, form and distance in Cheltenham yesterday or was the day before? Yeah, yesterday. A tremendous training performance. But look, um, Henry de Bromhead, and it was interesting to hear Rachel talk about uh, um, Bob Ollinger afterwards. Look, this horse has always had so much ability. And uh, yesterday, Henry and the team have got him back to his very best. So, you know, they're going to be dreaming again for some of the big prizes as uh, we head into the, the heart of the national run season. But overall, it was an extraordinary Christmas racing festival. Some brilliant performances. And, uh, you know, JP McManus produced one or two. Uh, very, very good winners over the Christmas that are going to be very, very high-profile runners come uh, the Cheltenham Festival in March. Just before I let you go, and I'll put you on the spot, but can you give us any insight into the spat, for want of a better word, between the Mullins but lads um, at, at, when they... Was that in Leopardstown, I think, over Christmas? It did look like the one cousin had upset the other because coming came, coming up on the inside rails. Does that happen a lot? I know, look, it's getting the storm in the teacup. Look, you go to a hurling match every day, you see a fella hitting a fella's shoulder, you drive him out over the line, he gets up, he has words with him. You move on. Patrick gave um, Danny instructions of, don't come up my inside, I'm going to give my horse a breeder. Danny didn't listen. Danny was right. He was going to win his race like any jockey would do. He was being competitive. And Patrick, unfortunately, probably shouldn't have shown his emotions. Maybe he should have waited and he had a quiet word with Danny afterwards. But look, that's what makes top sportsmen brilliant, whether it be riding horses, 
Stay in Hurling, stay in football, or stay in rugby. That's all packed for. Yeah, but if I had money on Danny's horse, I would want Danny to try and and to come up the inside. Yeah, Danny did everything in his power to give his horse the best ride to try and win. As a result, look, it didn't make any difference. Patrick won the race with uh, huge ease in the finish. Anyway, it, it didn't really make a difference. But yes, you're right, and and Danny did do everything. Uh, to the letter of the law, gave his horse a great ride, and uh, Patrick was just a little yeah. annoyed that he didn't listen. But Ducky was said right not to listen, so that's just uh, that's, that's just sport, and that's how it goes. But it was it, it was a little bit of a battle between the two. My apologies for that. I got to go to news. Thanks for your time. Good night, Ronan. Thank Thanks you. Thanks indeed. That's, uh, that is uh, Dave Burns there. Ian O'Connor produced. Let's go to the newsroom. His 40s has been killed in a collision.